This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When it comes to my health care, I want choices, like more doctors and hospitals, so I get to see who I want. With Independence Blue Cross, I don't have to compromise when it comes to my care. Independence makes it easy. Their online tools help me manage my plan and even keep my health on track with programs designed for my well-being. And with free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, I get easy access to care when I need it, saving me time. Open enrollment ends on January 15th. Enroll today at ibx.com. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. In Odyssey Station, it's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Sunday morning at 10. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or ten months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good morning and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. We're well into the winter, a good time to talk about keeping up with physical activity. Physical inactivity is prevalent and associated with poor health outcomes and in some a shorter lifespan. Worldwide, about one in four adults is physically inactive and numbers are growing, especially in the more developed countries. Adding to lack of regular exercise, we see more sedentary behaviors, watching TV, time at the computer, and with COVID, more Zoom meetings. Joining us today is Dr. Mark Staudenberg. He's a PhD and has a master's in public health. Dr. Staudenberg's an associate professor and the chair of the Department of Kinesiology at Temple University. Welcome, Mark. Welcome, Marianne. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. I think people have a general idea what kinesiology means, but maybe you could tell us the definition of kinesiology and about your work at Temple University. Yeah, I mean... I, I run across a lot of people that ask me, what is kinesiology? And, and, you know, I actually came from a program called exercise science and exercise physiology. And I, I actually didn't know what that was for many years myself. But in, in brief, kinesiology is like an umbrella term. It, it's an overall field of study and it has many sub-disciplines. So, you know, uh, other common areas in kinesiology might include exercise science or, or sports performance, exercise physiology, um, back several decades ago, we had physical education uh, and training teachers to be in it. Um, psychology or sports psychology is in our field, sometimes bo- biomechanics and motor behavior. So it's just a broad overall umbrella for all things that involve physical activity. And we know the value of physical activity in improving our health, but many people aren't getting enough physical activity. and. My understanding is that physicians are not routinely screening patients when they come for checkups. You have a master's degree in public health and you actually began a program for people to get their master's in public health at the University of Tennessee. Tell us a little more about your community strategies to get people moving. Yeah, I started out in in a more um, what's called exercise physiology, looking at how exercise impacts the body at at an individual level. 
And, and like you said, the benefits are so overwhelming of just basic exercise or physical activity programs that I kind of made this shift to public health and I realized the big challenge was not figuring out, you know, what is the ideal number of sets or reps or intensity, but in general, how do we get people moving? How do we get them active? And, and you know, in our field, we, 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 we think a multi-sectoral approach is really needed, something that involves not just you know, going to the gym, but, you know, what, what influence, as you mentioned, do our doctors and, phys- and nurses and, and other healthcare providers have? But how about the built environment that we live in? Um, just so many different factors that go into becoming more physically active because we do know, like you said, that physical activity has so many positive benefits, not just on our physical health, but our emotional health, our mental health. I mean, you just, there, there's very few things that physical activity does not provide a health benefit. And I, I challenge anyone to tell me a single drug that exists out there that impacts so many different physiological and mental uh, health conditions, uh, you can't. It, physical activity really does do it all. Well, I think too, um, now, I'm a relatively thin person, so for years when I would get up and be at work before 7 and get home after 7.30 at night, and I would use the excuse that I didn't have time, uh, is that a common excuse people turn to? Yeah, I mean, it, definitely. Um, time is probably one of the biggest barriers that we all have, and I, I, I think that's why um, one of the things I'm very big on when I talk with folks is distinguishing between physical activity and exercise. Um, you know, exercise is, is people have this thought of, you know, I have to go to the gym and I have to make time to go running and, 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 and it's not for everyone. We don't have that time. So instead, you know, we in public health tend to use a broader term like physical activity and, and it's at the very genesis of that or the root of it is just being active and you don't need to go to the gym to be active. It might involve every hour going for a five-minute walk around your office or, you know, when we're working from home during COVID, we don't shop as much. Uh, We don't do big shopping trips. We do lots of multiple shopping trips. So every day I'm walking to the store, I'm walking through the store. So, you know, I I think there's ways to get around being uh, time being a challenge, but it, it does take intentional effort on our part to structure more activity into our lives. You're right, and, and I think we've also become a culture of metrics, and the whole idea of 10,000 steps a day is kind of tempting. You know, there'll be cartoons where somebody will put their watch on a, uh, a fan, and it will keep spinning and, you know, get an extra 500 points because we're so... But that's not necessarily a bad thing, and I know I found myself... Uh, I'm in a different office now, but my office in Center City at Jefferson, I'm on the fifth floor. So I would go up the steps and down the steps all five flights multiple times a day thinking, well, at least I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Or you, we advise patients to park their car a little bit farther away so their walk to work is longer. As you say, there are creative ways to get the steps in or, or get the motion in. And, and we had a great chat the other day, and you reminded me the physical activity could be gardening or you know, going up and down steps if you live in an, eleva- uh, an elevator building. But um, there are creative ways to, to keep your stuff in motion, yes? Yeah, and, and, but it, it, at the heart of it, though, it's still about an intentional effort to be active, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, you made that choice not to take the elevator, to, but to take an extra flight of stairs. And, 
And so at the heart, we, we have to want to be active, but then there's natural ways throughout the day for us to become active. And, um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of strategies to do that. Um, you know, walking meetings, how, how many of us are sitting down all day in our meetings? Yes. And, you know, so when I can get off Zoom, I try and get off Zoom, I put in my headset, put my phone, and I go out walking around the city. Although center city with all the noise, it just <laughs> picks up a lot of noise. But, but like just that, I can pick up two, 3,000 steps in a half hour uh, meeting with someone. Yes, and I was just reading earlier, you know a lot better than I, that for someone who does have to sit at a desk all day because that's their work, even it's better to have short bursts of energy in between than not at all. But as you said, we circle back to your comment about uh, emotionally it makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. So how do we motivate people to understand the benefits? Is it education and saying, here are the benefits, your blood pressure, your weight, the decrease your risk for cancer and all those things. Is it that or is it a program or all the above? Well, you know, I'll, I'll defer to experts in our field. Um, you know, we have health psychologists and, and they really are talking about now that, it, that that isn't the way to do. You know, people aren't motivated when you talk to them about their diabetes or heart condition. It's talking about being active with their grandchildren, being active with mm-hmm. their children, just general things that they find joy in, being able to walk while on vacation, being able to do things. So I think it's really finding things that appeal to people and not the traditional things about you have to get so many steps or you have to, um, it's, good for your, it's good for your health. It's just, I think we need new and different ways of looking at this. You're saying it's good for your soul. It's a brilliant <laughs> approach because you want it to be fun. You don't want to, if people look at it as a chore, they don't want to do it because they have to. They want they, they should do it because they want to. Yes, absolutely. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with more with Dr. Mark Stoutenberg. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. And we're back with Dr. Mark Stoutenberg. Chair of Department of Kinesiology at Temple University. Mark, we're talking about more than ever, it's important for people to realize the value of physical activity. With that thought in mind, let's talk about activity as it relates to a person who is sedentary or relatively inactive. How do we get them started with good physical activity that appeals to them? Yeah, well, um, maybe if you don't mind, I, I, we'll start with some guidelines. And, and the Department of Health and Human Services, you know, our, our, from our, our federal government, their guidelines for, a, for adults is 150 minutes a week of moderate to vigorous activity. Whoa, that seems daunting. Well, if you break down 150 minutes, it's just over 22 minutes a day. And moderate activity means a brisk walk. So that's the goal we're trying to get everyone up to. 22 to 25 minutes a day of brisk walking. And they've done some studies and, and, and that you mentioned earlier that 10,000 steps. Well, that, that actually was uh, kind of a, a myth from way back when and it had to do with the first name of the pedometer. And, but but oh. they've actually realized that to achieve the guidelines of 150 minutes a week, it's about 7,000 to 7,500 steps depending on your leg length. So. Now, now, a sedentary individual, I don't think we want to say, you know, hey, you have to make 150 minutes. It's like, well, maybe we, maybe we get you to 50 minutes, 60 minutes, 70 minutes. And one of the, one of the key phrases in the uh, guidelines is 
you know, just get moving. You know, some is better than none, right? Some is better than none. So if a person's sedentary, that means they're not moving at all. So can we get them moving five minutes a day or maybe two times five minutes a day? Two times five minutes a day is 70 minutes a week. I mean, they're already halfway there. So if mm-hmm. you break it down into smaller increments, you know, we're, we're seeing that there's benefits at any level of physical activity. So a person who's sedentary or a person who's not meeting that 150 minutes, just adding a little bit more each week or maybe for two or three weeks and then bumping it up, that's an important part. And we're not talking again about going to play tennis or golf. We're talking about being active and going for a walk, uh, a brisk walk or a bike ride or something really simple, just small bursts every day. And you make it so clear for people and, and hopeful that doing something is better than nothing and there's still value to it. And that, I think, in itself will motivate people when you when you analyze 150 minutes in another way, that's a half hour walk five times a week. That's less daunting too when you think about it, especially if you have a doggy or you have a, a, a walking buddy. So uh, an individual wants to develop a program with more physical activity. How would they go about that? Well, again, if it's that sedentary individual, we're just trying to encourage them to get active. Um, and And... I think one of the most important parts about becoming more active is the social um, support component. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are, 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 are independent and they can motivate themselves to get up and go moving every day. But, you know, maybe it's at work, you, you know, three times a week, you join your colleagues and you go for a walk, a 30 minute walk and you drink your coffee and walk. Um, and then you can take your lunch during a webinar or one of those Zoom meetings. Um, so I, I think as you start to build your plans to be more active, having people to do it with and that hold you accountable is really important part of it. And then from there, you can build your way up. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent point, because you have to answer to your friend who's in an office down the hall and be there on time. I, I, that's a great suggestion. And I think it's important, too, we chatted the other day and you distinguished there are different types of physical activity and exercise is only one form. You've sort of explained that, that it doesn't have to be uh, in the gym or something specific. It's, it's motion in general. Um, when should a person think about seeing their primary care doctor uh, if they want to become more active or start an exercise program? Yeah, well, we've, we've learned a lot about safety screening and, and, and starting a physical activity program. And, and uh, one of uh, the leaders in the field, he, he would say, you know, who, who gave you clearance to walk to the doctor's office to do the medical screening, right? And, and for point. so many years, we had this problem of like medicalizing physical activity to the point where people felt they needed this in-depth checkup to be physically active. And, and at one point, they did a study and they looked at uh, a, a large sample, a nationally representative sample, and they said, well, if we apply the current screening guidelines to this sample, 97% of people would need to do some sort of advanced screening just to you know, go out and do walking. So they've, in 2016, they changed the recommendations of the American College of Sports Medicine with a, a, experts from around the country. And, and really right now, it depends upon a lot of different things. But if you're going out and you just want to do low-intensity activity, light walking, light walking, uh, light uh, walking or, or bicycling, you, you don't need to go to the doctor for those things. If you're not experiencing any problems, you're, you don't have any heart pain, you're not out of breath, then, then it's fine for you to go out and, and do that light activity. Now, anyone that's experiencing mm-hmm. shortness of breath, dizziness, chest pain, those are all signs and symptoms that you should go to a doctor right now before 
doing anything. I mean, those are, there's something wrong. Now, now the third category is if you wanted to jump into something a little bit more vigorous, I'm going to start a more intense running program. So that's vigorous activity, or I'm going to go out and pick up a, uh, you know, start playing soccer or, or in, intense tennis. Well, then, then you might want to go to your doctor and, and just make sure that, you know, if you've been active, inactive for a while, it never hurts to be on the safe side. Sure. And again, as you say, life is a balance. Uh, I, and, and I did read the paper that uh, you suggested from the American College of Sports Medicine. And they say it so clearly, obviously, we know the value of exercise and helping decrease risks of many uh, illnesses and the benefits of fitness. And most people that have uh, an underlying um, cardiovascular issue usually have a warning or symptoms maybe they might not be admitting it but you know pay attention before you do get too vigorous and thirdly if we're going to delay people from exercising that's what they need to help the heart and weight and uh, and diabetes so so there's a happy medium and uh life is a balance um so and i guess too that influences again your work in the community with you and with doctors do you um, you're training exercise professionals, and then their role is to be at centers and tell us a little bit about uh, the people you train. Yeah, well, we, we, you know, at, at Temple University, our department we have multiple degrees, but the you know the, the emphasis is we're trying to um, provide our students with tools to be um, to work along different continuums of physical activity. We have students that are being trained to go into clinical settings like cardiac rehabilitation and so they learn a Mm. little bit more about you know ekgs and hearts and stress testing and treadmills we have students that really want to go into like you know the 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 fitness field and and they start training to be uh personal trainers or advanced exercise professionals and strength conditioning experts and then you know a new twist to our our our, um, department is the public health focus is how how do we train students to go into communities and work with large numbers of people to work in group settings, to work with 50 people or design community-based programs um, around health and wellness. So I think there's a little bit, there's a lot of different roles and, and there, we need a lot of help to get people active. And mm-hmm. uh, that's what we're trying to do. And, and how, do you, um, how do you approach this uh, idea of getting doctors more into the good habit of saying, tell me what you're doing for exercise. Not just the cardiologist who wants to make sure you're not short of breath with exertion or having angina, but all of us in general, especially yep. primary care docs, the poor primary docs have to think of everything, but how are you and at Temple trying to get that as a community uh, mission as well? Well, you know, I. It, it, it really started, you know, I mentioned earlier that there's multiple sectors that need to be engaged. You know, mm-hmm. the built environment, uh, the school systems, the, you know, well, the one sector I got involved with is working with the healthcare sector. And it really started through my involvement with the American College of Sports Medicine. We have an initiative called Exercises Medicine. And it was really, it wasn't taught, we're not talking about, you know, tertiary prevention or, or what happens when somebody has the disease. It's how do we prevent that? And you know, we have more than 90% of the population sees a physician or a nurse at some point during the year. And so the whole idea is, could, could we get them to promote physical activity to even 10% of the population that comes in to see them? And you're right, you know, we, we do focus a lot on primary care, but the goal isn't to have physicians and nurses 
provide detailed guidance is to figure out how we can connect them to the exercise professionals, the students we're training. And, and right now, we don't do that well as a society, not just in physical activity, but in nutrition and other areas, is, is connecting the dots. And, and how do we create that, what I call that clinic to community linkage, so that way when you know someone does go to their doctor and they need help with physical activity or nutrition, that they're connected to a professional in their community that can really give them guidance. Very, very good point and well said because we emphasize diet so much. There's so many fad diets or even just the concept of eating a healthy diet, five servings of fruits and veggies. People are more aware of that than the emphasis on exercise or physical activity. And we had a whole show on the Mediterranean diet and how great it is, and it is, but we're not living in the Mediterranean. The diet's one thing, but the people in Spain and Italy and, you know, Greece that live that diet walk to the market and they walk to work. So without the physical activity, no guarantee, no guarantee, you know, it's not as effective. We would agree. Well, let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Mark Stoutenberg. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. And we're back with Dr. Mark Stoutenberg from Temple University. Mark, we were just talking about the value of the Mediterranean diet, if it's in conjunction with physical activity. Tell us a little more, if you would, about the role of physical activity in weight management and energy use that's more than just controlling someone's diet. Yeah, no, I thought it was so interesting you brought that up because, um, you know, we, we do have dietitians in my department, and one of them challenged uh, my wife and I to go on the Mediterranean diet. And you know, I'm, I'm a person that goes to the gym and exercises. So I, you know, go to the gym. I do all the stuff almost an hour a day, every day of the week. Wow. And my weight is really quite stable. But the minute I went on the Mediterranean diet, I lost 13 pounds. <gasps> Yikes. And, and, and well, I, I will qualify that. I was coming off of ankle surgery. So I had gained quite a bit. I had gained weight. And, but, Still. But, you know, so, so I think what a confusing thing for people is this whole, like, well, do I exercise, or, you know, activity and weight management? So I'll, I'll, I'll clear it up. There's, it's really quite clear. If you want to lose weight, it's all about your diet. You have to do an excessive amount of activity, almost an unhealthy level, to lose weight through activity. Thank you for saying that. I think a lot Wait. of people misunderstand that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm a physical activity person, and, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'll say, but, but what I will say that going back to the benefits of physical activity is physical activity ha- is, is more powerful in your heart and your lungs and how your body physiologically functions. So a person can go out and lose a lot of weight and be really thin. It doesn't mean they're healthy. Right. Right. You know, they could still have a very high uh, body fat percent, even if they're thin, because they don't have any muscle. They could still have really poor physical functioning, and you see this in older adults, because they don't have muscle mass. And it, you know, and they're thin, but it's not just about being thin, it's about being physically healthy as well. So someone says, you wanna lose weight? Yes, you, you, you know, it's, it's about your diet. You wanna achieve maximal health? You need to be physical act, physically active, and I think that's a really important point for people. Very, to very important point. 
And I, I mean, I, as I learn things, I try to share them with my patients. You know, it's easy to um, share pearls of wisdom when somebody's walking from the chair to the table. I say, you know what? You have diabetes. Did you know that physical activity can improve your blood sugars even if you don't lose weight? There are so many wonderful things to physical activity that if people knew, I do think it would motivate them a little bit more. So now we're gone from a patient uh, or person who's uh, enjoyed the moderate exercise and they say, you know what, I want to get into a formal exercise program or do more vigorous activity. How would we guide them or how would they go about planning a program? Well, and, and, and even tying in our safety screening is the person who's at greatest risk for injury or some serious event happening is a person who goes from zero to 60, right? Mm-hmm. So if a person's sedentary and active, we talked about you know small steps, doing a little bit at a time, but now they've worked themselves up and they want something a little bit more. And one of, one of, one of the things that's kind of been a pet peeve about my profession sometimes is that you know an unknowing person goes into the gym and says, I don't know how to do stuff, and they get with a trainer, and this trainer maybe doesn't have the highest level of education, although it is getting much better out there, and, and they put them through this you know, vicious workout the first time through, and they're so stiff and sore, they never want to go to the gym again. I, I remember that happened to my wife once, and, and you know, people want to feel like they're getting their money's worth, but really, it, it's a steady, <laughs> slow progression. You're so right. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, ironically, you know, I, other programs where people get counseling, if they've invested money, they're going to show up for that meeting, even if it's $5 a week. There's something uh, about that. And you're right. You don't want to, quote, unquote, get your money's worth and hurt yourself in the process. Um, I know there are four different types of exercise, if, if you wouldn't mind explaining that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think we call them like more like health-related components and that when, when someone's going to the gym, and, you know, mm. as a foundation of, like, how do I put together a comprehensive, you know, exercise program? So now it's exercise because I'm choosing to go in my free time. Um, you know, well, what are we thinking about? Well, we, we want to have that muscular or aerobic endurance, right? So that's, that's always important. We want to have that muscular strength. Um, we want to have that fitness. That's a very important point. And then, you know, within that, we also do want to think about our, our, our body composition, you know, and that pulls in the diet part. So when you're starting to think about a comprehensive di- uh, program, we kind of want to add in a little bit of each of those parts. And it doesn't have to be all in one day. Maybe one day is a cardio day and the next day you're going to focus more on the strength component and, and so on and so forth. Always a little stretching doesn't hurt. But really mixing it up. And um, that, I think that's kind of the basic foundation of, of what we hope to do. Now, as it changes through, it changes throughout the lifespan, Right. And, and I work with a lot mm-hmm. of colleagues that specialize in working with older adults. And, and they believe the most important part as you age is the strength training component. You know, that we have to keep that physical functioning up. Whereas at other points in life, it might be a little bit more cardiovascular um, and, and that aerobic exercise. But then the most important thing is what is a person's goal? You know, maybe like mm-hmm. you, you were telling me is, you, you know, have some friends that, you know, later in life wanted to run a marathon. So that would change how we put together a program for that person compared to someone else. Mm -hmm. And as you say, um, the exercise professionals can really make such a difference because uh, the aerobic uh, exercises help heart and lungs, but the weight resistance, you know, someday I hope I don't break a hip, but if you don't have the muscular 
uh, strength to transfer from bed to chair or get up and start moving again, you, you lose it. You to use it or lose it, and uh, and so be proactive. Get those muscles, and and weight uh, training also helps your bones for women with osteoporosis, and and the combination is so important. Um, are there any general guidelines? You touched on this before that if you have somebody sort of watching you help get started with a more vigorous exercise, we want to avoid injury. That's for sure. So I guess my question is twofold. Are there general principles for avoiding injury? And are there certain machines in the gym that you want to really have somebody show you how to use, probably all of them, so you don't hurt yourself? Yeah, I, I think the first biggest principle is doing too much too soon. You mm -hmm. know, um, I remember I was training a person once um, and, and I got them back in shape. They'd had a kidney transplant and, mm. and been active, inactive for many years. And I got them walking and then we got them jogging and jogging a little bit more. And then one day he comes to our, our running session and he, and he can't run anymore because he tore his hamstring. I'm like, well, <gasps> what happened? Oh, I went out and played three hours of soccer. And I go, oh. we just got you jogging <laughs> and you go out and run, you know? And, uh. and, and no, but it, it, it's fine, you know? And then he healed and he got back to it and, and, and he's running and being healthy. But it's just a story of whatever we choose, we want to ease our way into it because, you know, that's when we're at greatest risk for musculoskeletal injuries or you know a heart event or anything like that um you know and then and then after that i i think the next important thing is is try to get professional guidance you know and and if it's not one-on-one -on -one, because maybe that's a little bit more expensive there are often group options there are different resources out there and programs in the local community just people that know how to do this i, I used to you know train a large running group and it was $150 for six months of being in this group, social support, getting guidance, having someone to ask. You know, those programs exist in our communities, and I think they're a great resource for people to seek out. Sure. Um, and that makes me wonder about, say, advancing from walking to running. How does a, a person without experience choose the correct shoe for working out or for running? Uh, I'm sure they're different if you run or walk, say, uh, a several miles a week versus somebody who runs longer distances well i mean i mean things change a little bit but i, I think you want really good equipment in general um mm -hmm. whether that's the shirts you wear the shorts or the running shoes and nowadays running stores um you know if you're looking to become a runner and a walker and that's your form and that's the most common form is walking progressing to one running of activity in the country then then go to the running shoe store like not not you know, nothing against Dick's Sporting Goods or anything like that. It's a great place. But these other smaller running stores the, the, that we have, the specialized stores, yes, the shoes cost a lot, but they last, six, they last six months. So you take the cost of a shoe divided by six, it's still way less than a gym membership. And they'll go in, they'll film you on a treadmill, they'll look at the arch, how you roll your foot. Yes. And, yeah, and they'll hook you up with a pair of shoes that is really meant for you. And it really, really does make a difference. Of course, because then if your shoes, if you pronate, that means if your feet turn in or if they turn out or if you have a high arch or a flat foot, you don't want to order shoes or sneakers, whatever, from the internet. You want to try them on because you're going to really be pounding and that affects your knees and your hips and your, and your whole self. So people start out with good intentions, Mark. How do we keep them motivated? 
You know, I, I, I think you circle back to that social support. You know, it, when I coached that community-based running program, we had 800 people. And you know what? Most, wow. Yeah, most of them came out. You know, it'd be, it would be, this was back in Miami, Florida. It was really hot and steamy. So we'd be out at five in the morning on a Saturday. And these folks would be coming out. Why? Because they were accountable to each other. And, and, yeah. and then they, when they got out, even though it was so hard to get up, Man, did they love chatting and talking and they go for breakfast afterwards. And it became a lifestyle thing rather than just going to exercise. So smart. And especially during COVID, people are going outside more. And this is a good time to commit. Let's take a little break and we'll be back for our wrap up with Dr. Mark Stoutenberg. with Dr. Mark Stoutenberg, and we've learned so much about the value of physical activity. Mark, let's share some take-home messages with our listeners. Yeah, well, I, I think the first and most important thing is, is get moving. You know, find a way to, to be more active. We all can do that. Um, there's only a small percent of people out there that do too much, um, but I think we, there's room for all of us to get more active. And then you know, a lot of people will often ask me, and say, what's, what's the best exercise or best way to be active? And I say, the best way to be active is the one you'll stick with. And that's, the, that's what we say in our field is, it, it, you know, forcing yourself to go swimming if you hate swimming, that's not helping you. <laughs> you know, no, find, no. find something you like doing that you'll want to do. And, you know, for me, what I found is I'm really motivated by goals. So, you know, if I'm training for a marathon, that gets me through six months when I set a goal that, that for me is a big thing. Or, and maybe sometimes the goal will just be a reward that if I do this for you know, four days a week, then, then I will go out and you know, I've earned a piece of cheesecake or whatever your favorite food is. But you know, I, I find that it's helpful for me, um, set that goal setting. And, and, and I, even for me, I love being active and I do it no matter what. I so much prefer doing it with other people. You know, I, I, I love you know, finding friends that have similar interests it's a great way to meet people too. You know, like, oh, I'm new to a city. Go out to the local walking club, runner's club. You know, go to the gym and join studio classes when it's safe to do so. Um, there's just, you know, I, I, I really hope we can get past thinking of, you know, it being exercise and more of being activity in our lifestyle and, and just something we enjoy doing. You know, I'll, I'll leave you with this thought, Marianne, is that, you know, how often do we meet our friend to go for a cup of coffee? You know, that's the most common thing or, or a drink in the bar. But we're, what, are we, what are we doing that? We're sitting the whole time. Yes. You know, so yeah. can, can we think of ways that, well, maybe why don't we go for a walk or why don't we walk to the coffee shop, have a coffee and then walk back or, or just do something that adds a little activity in our life. And I think we'll all feel so much better for it. And it says, as we want to remind people psychologically, emotionally, if you walk away from your desk at lunchtime and you take a walk with somebody from the office or somebody from a different office, you're able to leave the headaches of work behind for a little bit and you go back with a much brighter, happier approach. Any websites that our listeners can visit to learn more? You know, if, if, you, if you go to Google, you know, you, you put in uh, physical activity guidelines for Americans, um, that'll come up to the Department of Health and Human Services. That's, that's the, you know, number one website. CDC, you type CDC, which is Center for Disease Control and Prevention. You type CDC, physical activity. They have a lot of great resources for people just getting started. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a member and a proud member of the American College of Sports Medicine. And, you know, now we're getting a little bit more into exercise. 
in you know formal training, but people who are at that level can find some really good guidance at, at um, acsm.org. acsm.org, CDC, easy yeah. enough for people to remember. Dr. Mark Stoutenberg, beautiful presentation. I learned so much from you, and I'm going to go for a walk now. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. The pleasure was mine. Thanks, Mark. Stay well. real champion. I call this segment the human race. What draws people to a challenge like a marathon? 26.2 miles of grueling exercise, sometimes in very difficult conditions. In college, Claire Flannery experienced recurrent life-threatening allergic reactions. 24 episodes brought her to the emergency room, close to death, but made her very grateful for every day since. She confirms, I know the value of life. College days at Penn State included many roles in the theater. She learned to perform with poise and grow her talents as a storyteller. Just after graduation, she was on a walk and noticed the local radio station in Reading. Confident in her experience, she inquired about openings. Well, it was 1978, and the answer? We don't have any women reporting the news. But the producer let her read a script, and boom, she became a weekend news anchor. With hard work and extra shifts, she moved to Lansing, Michigan as TV anchor for the local NBC station, then on to Grand Rapids for ABC, then PBS, and finally CBS in Harrisburg. For years, a producer for the Pennsylvania State Senate on cable news. Claire had a fascinating life as a TV reporter and anchor. Her respectful approach made her a favorite of police and detectives, always willing to give her the scoop. Even criminals chose to speak with her. She had several exclusive interviews with celebrities. She remembers a time in her 30s when she ran a 5K for a news story and barely finished behind two white-haired ladies. Years later, in 2011, she ran a 5K on Armed Services Day to honor her friend's brother. To her surprise, she won in her age group. Claire had done Zumba, step classes, but hated running her whole life. Then her younger sister invited her to do another 5K, and she won again. Now her competitive streak... And the winning streak, along with her cholesterol level, fueled her to train, and running became a gift. In 2013, at age 57, she and her sister ran a half marathon, and both won in their age groups. A year later, she got a notice for the lottery for the New York Marathon. She was in shock. You guessed it, at age 58, she ran and finished. Next, on to Allentown, she won again. Then Chicago, the Shamrock Marathon in Virginia Beach, and finally, the tippy-top of all marathons, Boston. Last year, this 65-year-old woman finished Boston. The competition to enter, the hills, the throngs of people. But her joy was knowing that her daughter and grandson were at the finish line. She compares the experience to childbirth. Quote, it was painful, but I did it. Equal to the thrill at the finish, The real magic for Claire was at the start. She was so grateful to be there, she stopped to praise God. She wore a bracelet that said, stay strong. In the first half, she would stay and not rush. The second, she'd be strong, dig deep. A favorite moment was halfway through the Chicago run. The Bon Jovi song, Living on a Prayer, was blasting. We're halfway there. Runners were holding hands, running together. A blind runner with a guide turned to Claire and said, you're looking good. Running is a metaphor for life, hard work, consistency, discipline, and gratitude. Claire's birthday is September 11th, and she says, that's why I celebrate every day, make every day count. 
Her logo should be five after 55. Five marathons after age 55. Each step, a celebration of life. Claire continues, I'm a born optimist. Training is my sanctuary. God speaks to you in silence, and I rely on my faith. Claire values the richness of bonding with fellow runners from around the world. She believes that life is about relationships, and the recent isolation has made us feel starved. More than medals and records, she values each cheer from the crowd, each hand she holds during a race, each hug from her family at the finish, because each touch makes the race more human. We salute you, Claire Flannery, your real champion. A special thank you to our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and the support of Rothman Orthopedics and Recovery Centers of America. Friends, there is a serious national shortage of blood. Please consider donating blood. Visit redcross.org to see where you can donate. Thank you for being faithful listeners. In February, your radio doctor will be moving to a new day and time so we can reach even more listeners. Tune in every Saturday evening at 5 o'clock p.m. March, Colon Cancer Awareness Month. Decorate the door to your home or business in blue lights. Then send a photo of your lights or a photo of you in blue to info at bluelightscampaign.com. We'll post it on our website, bluelightscampaign.com. Speaking of blue, treat yourself to the next two hours of Old Blue Eyes himself, Frank Sinatra, with my friend Sid Mark. Wishing you a safe and wonderful week from the one and only, your radio doctor, Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie, here to remind you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.